Hey there, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm Mike. We got Tim over there. How's it going? Tim, oh man, how's it going, huh? You, Is that loud? Little, no, you just sounded like you were losing your voice. <laughs> I didn't do much talk in that episode, but Well, maybe. hey, you know, we had a great guest in that. Uh, yeah, we didn't need to. You know, and well, different episode we're talking about. The, the interview we just did, guys, not not the one you're going to be listening to today, but the one you're listening to today is good too. Josh is here. I feel like we start our episodes off and just make people as confused yeah, as possible. that's the goal. It's like, it's like before you everyone, walk, before yeah. you walk into our podcast room, you sit down on a chair, you get blindfolded and spin in 35 <laughs> circles. And then, yeah, you got to keep them, you got to keep them on their toes. You got to keep people on their toes. And you know, at this point, if you're a new <laughs> listener, you have no idea what this is. You don't know what we're talking about. We are interviewing someone. That's all you know. And just please don't press the stop button. Just right. keep it, just make just it keep, through. Look, trust me. You it's made like, it this far. Just stick around. It's like The it's Office or Parks and Rec. You got to watch a couple episodes before it starts to get good. So keep staying in and tuning in. So today's guest was <laughs> pretty entertaining. We had a good time with him. Super, super motivating guy. Um, Didn't a lot beat us life. up. Did not beat us up. Thankfully for that. I did think that he that was. He could have. Yeah. Yeah. At any point, he could have, he could have broken everything in the room if he'd like to. <laughs> Um, and achieved a lot and had, had some adversity. I mean, the story about, uh, I won't give it away too much, but just hearing about how he's climbed back in his life from uh, a fairly significant and serious injury and something that stripped his identity away, I think yeah. related to all of us from passions that we've had in our life. So it was cool to to hear the way that he is, uh, he's built back up his career and, and figure out where he is today. Yeah, and we haven't said his name yet. So just in case you're wondering, our guest is J.L. Holdsworth and uh, he's a world champion weightlifter. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the interview and we will talk to you guys in a couple minutes. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believed in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Ullman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24-7, 365. This is Conquering Columbus. And welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast, everybody. I'm Mike. We got Josh and Tim here with us today. How you guys doing? Doing good, dude. Long day of travel, but I'm excited to be here. And uh, we got a, we got an exciting guest on the show today. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tim, yeah, he was already dropping a bunch of bombs on us and we weren't recording. So I'm hoping he can drop all that knowledge on us. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, uh, to let you guys know who's joining us today, we've got JL Holdsworth. And JL resides here in Columbus, Ohio, where he originally moved to train at Westside Barbell. And he has three children aged five, nine, and 14. With over 30,000 hours of practical coaching experience and competition best lifts of a 905-pound squat, 775-pound bench press, and an 804-pound deadlift, lightweight, uh, JL is no doubt one of the strongest and most experienced strength and conditioning coaches in the industry. 
He's a world champion powerlifter, international speaker, and former University of Kentucky strength and conditioning coach. And JL has been featured in many fitness-related magazines, including Muscle and Fitness, Men's Health, and T Nation. In 2010, he founded The Spot Athletics and has built the small private training facility into two 20,000-square-foot locations here in Columbus. And along with his facilities, JL is the co-founder of Reflexive Performance Reset, otherwise known as RPR, a system of daily self-care techniques that allow people to perform at their best by controlling their nervous system. RPR is used by many professional sports and special operations military units around the world, and we are really excited to have JL here today to talk about all those things. Welcome to Conquering Columbus. Thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here. Really appreciate you having me on the show. You like how Mike makes the light, lightweight stab seven feet away from you? He right. calls, calls it social distancing. Social but, distancing, uh, you know? He can't, he can't grab me here. <laughs> we got rules. That's right. Before we get going, though, are you from Columbus? No, I'm actually from a bunch of small towns, kind of in northwestern Michigan. But oh, don't, don't worry, okay. I'm, I'm a Buckeye fan now. There you go. So, yeah. so you, so you don't Buckeye care fan. about the Bengals and the Browns playing tonight, the battle no, for Ohio? No, I really do care a lot because, you know, obviously as a strength conditioning coach, you know, collegiate background, a lot of so the strength staff for the Browns and for the Bengals are both good friends of mine. So mm-hmm. I have skin in the game and we have some athletes, uh, actually a Columbus kid who got drafted by the Bengals this year who's who's playing tonight. So nice. Uh, we've, I've got some skin in the game personally so who I, do you want to win then you know can you can you pick one i i got marcus man i mean that kid he's he went to uh hilliard davidson i mean that's a kid who we've worked with since he was a sophomore in high seven years that's and awesome so i i got a root for him man that's i got a lot of skin in that game i spent a lot of time with that kid watch him grow up from a kid and into a young man and and so i I, I love the guys at the browns they're they're great friends but i, I gotta go with my kid man from from columbus gotta gotta see a win yeah, I, I have a tough divide there because Shannon's from Cincinnati, my wife, and she like wants me to root for the Bengals like every time. She's like, come on, you got to root for the Bengals. The Chargers left San Diego. I'm kind of teamless, but I really resonate with Browns fans because watching a team and thinking, yes, we're going to be good this year and then never having it happen is so San Diego that it just like I'm like, this is where I belong. You can relate. Yeah, I relate to that struggle, but I'm kind of just. I'm here for the football, right? I don't, I don't root for any teams. I root for the Buckeyes. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I've been a Lions fan ever since I was little. So it's just a hopeless fan. Yeah, right? you, you, <laughs> you got to find someone else to root for because yeah. you know, they're going to lose. So. Right, right. Right. And you've had like some of the best players ever, like Barry Sanders, the best running back, Megatron, best wide receiver. Yeah. Football is a team sport. Yeah. So <laughs> you, having one good player doesn't really mean much. You've in taught football. that principle <laughs> yeah. in, in yeah. Detroit very yeah. well. But anyways, yeah. So that game's tonight. Uh, Columbus is, very torn and very excited about it. Yeah. So you grew up, you grew up in a bunch of random towns in Northwestern Michigan. And then do you eventually leave there when you start looking for college or, or what eventually takes you away? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting. I had, you know, a, a lot of people kind of look to, Hey, I grew up here, but I had kind of an unconventional when I grew up, my childhood was just a little unconventional. And I mean, by the time I was a freshman in high school, we'd moved 10 times. Right. So sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, all different schools. And so, you know, it's funny, it was unconventional, but I look back and I say, okay, well, really unknowingly, my parents gave me a lot of, you know, gifts that really helped me, I think, get to where I am because, you know, again, going to a different school for those years, you learn how to adapt, right? And Mm -hmm. I think, especially in times now, that's a great skill, right? You have to learn how to adapt. So, it was just a little bit different, but once I got done with high school, uh, I played college football and, uh, you know, it's funny. I went into college. I wanted to be an attorney. That was, I mean, I, ever since I was little, I wanted, wanted to be an attorney and 
My freshman year, I played as a true freshman, Fair State University. So it was the number one team in the country in football for Division II at the time. I played, I was super excited. And then uh, my ego outpaced my skiing skills that winter. And uh, I, I blew my knee out. And, uh, you know, I spent a ton of time in the training room. Uh, athletic trainer there, his name is Dave Lucy. So he gave me all the books on science of training. And I, I just, I came back bigger, stronger, faster. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want, I want to train people. And so I changed, end up, uh, transferring to Wayne State University, which is in downtown Detroit. And uh, from there, I was a strength coach at the University of Kentucky. When I went down there, I wanted to start competing in something again. I was done with college football. I had had, at that point, seven knee surgeries. I knew I wasn't going to the next level. So, you know, I found powerlifting. I'd always been you know, strong and love lifting since I was 15 years old. And I did my first powerlifting meet over in Newark. So, you know, not too far from here. And uh, there's a gym, it's called Westside Barbell. And, and a lot of the listeners, you know, maybe aren't familiar with that. If you aren't, do yourself a favor, go on Netflix. There's actually a documentary called Westside versus the World. And in that documentary, there's a cool old clip of me writing my name on the record board, which is, is something I'm really proud of to this day. And, you know, it's an invite only gym. It's one of the world's strongest gym. And, and the dust settled from the first meet. I beat everybody in my weight class from Westside. And the guy who runs it, Louis Simmons, invited me to come up here and move to Columbus. So I left the strength conditioning field, moved to Columbus to be a world champion in powerlifting. No big deal. <laughs> so what, what'd you weigh when you got out of high school? So, it, dude, I was a late bloomer. My freshman year. Well, I'm hoping I still got a chance. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, you do for sure. Uh, you guys are about the same size. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when I was <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, I was about 140 because I wrestled all through high. I took second in the state as a senior. Like, I love wrestling, and uh, so I, I wrestled at 135 my freshman year, and then 135 pounds. 135 pounds. My I know it's a podcast. Year. You can't see him. He, he is no longer 135 pounds. I wrestled at 130 my freshman year. So, so then I hit puberty. Uh, oh no! <laughs> Should have let him finish. I was, I was already there. Yeah. I was done with that. So, so that I, I hit puberty. I started lift. I really got into lifting. My sophomore year, I came back for football at 185 pounds, and so you know, puberty is a great thing. I finished co- uh, high school at about 205. Finished college at about 245. And then when I competed in powerlifting, typically I competed in the 275 weight class. But I mean, the biggest I ever got, I was uh, three. 14 was my biggest. And, uh, that is a long puberty cycle. <laughs> yeah. It's a long puberty cycle. It was about a 10 year puberty cycle. So, but yeah, I was about 314 and, and I was always fairly lean for a power lifter. I mean, I always kept my body fat percentage about, you know, 12 to 16%, which for power lifting is pretty lean. Yeah, it's really so. Hey everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, one Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. But you talk a little bit about uh, moving. This isn't super relevant to where we want to get to, but you talk about moving a lot, going through. So I, I moved probably like 11 times from first grade to third grade. Now I can resonate with that a lot though. Like the experience wasn't, it was weird at the moment, but then looking back, the skills it allows you to develop to just learn how to be versatile, meet new people, adapt. So as you talk about, you know, going through 
college and the adversity you went through, like did, did the moving and stuff like that set you up for that? Did, did it have any preface? Oh, oh, no doubt. I mean, you know, I look and I, I look at, you know, some of the gifts that my parents gave me and, and, you know, it's unknowing, right? Because they're just doing things and it's just, you know, it was interesting not bringing my, you know, my parents, I think I saw, I saw five different marriages growing. I mean, it was just a lot. It was, there wasn't much consistency there. My dad was in today's term would be called a workaholic, but really he gave me an unbelievable work ethic. Cause I mean, you know, he worked 12 hours a day at a factory, he'd leave, and then he'd go work on rental properties that he was trying to just be able to create a better life. Right. And I mean, unfortunately that man, I might not see him at a year at a time. I I wouldn't even see him. However, I knew how hard he was working. Right. When I did see him, it wasn't very much, but he was working the whole time. Right. So he gave me that work ethic. Right. So it's like, you got to work a lot to be a world champion in something. And, and, you know, I, so I'm grateful and my dad and I've had lots of conversations about that. You know, now he's kind of realized, Hey, you know, there's, there's more to life than just that. And, you know, and, and even being a little kid, I remember being, you know, 10 years old and my mom had to go to work at six 30 in the morning. So I was responsible for waking my two younger sisters up feeding them, getting them to school on time, and then watching them until my mom came home at 530, right? And it's funny, I have a nine-year-old daughter. And so, you know, my wife, all the time, I'm like, she's fine to why, like, she's, look, you shouldn't have been left in charge at 10. I was like, everything was, no one died, right? We were fine. And so I look back at those experiences and they were just normal, right? When you move that much, you don't, you don't know that's not what people do. Or when you're watching your little sisters at 10 and making, you don't know that's what, that's just your responsibility. You don't know any better. And I think those experiences, you know, those are things that have have shaped me and allowed me to do the things I've, I've been able to do. And, And I'm thankful for them. You know, people, the thing is like, I have three kids and, you know, I want my kids to get the gifts that I got, you know, like, I mean, after seventh grade on other than Christmas, Thanksgiving, like I cooked every meal I ever ate. Right. Which I learned, was a lot of meals. You got I, to three fourteen. I, I, I ate a lot of meals. There's, I can tell you some funny stories about me trying some weird nutritional, just, I mean, it, it was, it was, I, when I, once I got into lifting, man, I was, I was all in and, you know, just eating as much food as I could. I used to eat a jar of peanut butter and a head of broccoli after every workout because basically I knew that peanut butter had protein and calories and broccoli was good for you. A full, right? a full head of broccoli. Yeah. Like, like, like how big are we talking? Like just like a head, like, you know, not, not just not a bushel, just like the size head. of like my head or no, like- a head of broccoli. You <laughs> I know. Know. This guy, this guy's not eating his vegetables. You don't know what a head of broccoli is, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I hate that's why I it's like my least, that's like why my least favorite yeah. vegetable. I love so, it. so, I mean, you know, for me, I look at that stuff as, you know, the self-reliance and the work ethic and, and all of those things, the adaptability. I, I want my kids to have all of those things and grow up and be able to do those things. M- my goal is just that I can give them those gifts in, in a, a little healthier and, and maybe a little more loving type way, as opposed to just figuring it out on their own, like actually using teachable moments. And so I, I love those things and, and I love those things about my life. Uh, it's just, you know, it's the, the trick now is with three kids. I want to give them that without giving them the struggle. Yeah, no, it makes, makes a lot of sense. So going back, you know, we get to Westside Barbell and you really, you, I mean, you know, you win some world championships, things like that. Like, when did you start saying, Hey, I, you know what? I want to start creating a business. I want to start building. So I think you started with the spot athletics, right? Yeah. So I, you know, I've thought about this a lot. I think what it boils down to is just mastery, right? So I think for me, I always want to be the best in the world at whatever I do. So if I'm playing football, right. I wanted to play in the NFL. I, I didn't quite get there. Right. Uh, and then when it switched over to powerlifting, I would be a world champion. I would be the best in the world. 
And then what happened was uh, in 2004, I had the fourth highest total in the world all time. I was going into a meet. I was going to be the literally the strongest guy in the world all time. And we're weight class. Everything's great. I was doing an 1100 pound squat. Things got sideways. And so uh, overnight, I went from being one of the strongest people in the world till I woke up and I couldn't dress myself. And so I herniated L5S1, had an unbelievably horrible issue. It actually took me uh, 10 years to get back on the powerlifting platform after that injury. And then in 2014, I, I won a world championship in, in deadlift. And after that point, I said, okay, I got back to where I was. And I literally, I got done with that world championship and I said, now I want to be the best in the world in business. And so it's, you know, the spot was, it's really special to me because, uh, in, you know, that time between 2004 and 2010, when I hurt my back, it was, it wasn't just, you know, losing the ability to lift the heaviest weights in the world. It was, I lost my entire identity. I lost my purpose. And, uh, you know, my entire life revolved around being the strongest guy in the world. And then I lost that. And so for me, that was deep depression. That was, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to shower. I mean, it was, it was rough time in my life. And, you know, in 2010, I started uh, the LLC for the spot athletics at the time I had been working, uh, I was managing a gym and, um, what happened was the, the people who had owned it, they sold it. And there was a great management company that ran it and a new management company took over. And those people were complete a-holes. Like there's no other way to say it. I walked in on day one and the people who ran that company literally, and this is like, this is not a figure of speech looked at me, the head of HR looked at me and said, you can't do your job because of the way you look. Really? That's I, like my mouth dropped. I'm like, I just couldn't believe that. Okay. So now I'm being judged solely. Not, no, we're not talking job performance. We're not talking, you, you haven't even talked to me and you just looked at me and said that I can't do my job well because of the way I look. It was, it was crazy. So I knew from day one, it wasn't going to be a good fit. And so I, I'll tell you that company, it was awful working for those people. They just, from day one, man, it was, it was, I'll say this, right? Like we live in a little bit different time. That was, you know, I mean, nine years ago. Right. So in these times, it'd definitely be like a news story, right? Because you can't treat people like that. Be anymore. all over Twitter. You, yeah, you can't. Right? <laughs> like if social media was what it was, right? right. Like it'd be a big story. Well, what do they mean by, did you, yeah, did, like they, what, did like, they feel like that you were too big to train people or intimidating? Because I was a manager, right? They thought intimidating. Right. And so it is interesting because I, you know, it, it was just, and so it was a struggle from day one. And so what happened was really those people, I was like, I got to get out of here. And so the whole thing at that point in time was I wanted to get back to the uh, platform and, and, and powerlifting and win another world championship. But what it did was I said, I got to get away from these people. And so I started uh, the Spot Athletics as an LLC in 2010. And then in 2011, I found my first location, got out of there. And the, the craziest thing was literally the, you know, I said, I quit and started. And I went from, it, at the time I had things under control of that job. It was pretty easy. And I went to the spot and I was working a hundred hours a week. You know, it, we talked about this before when you, when you start something, you're doing everything in, in the beginning. And, you know, I, I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. And, uh, so I was working a hundred hours a week and I was so damn happy. I mean, I was so happy and it was funny because all the depression went away. I found my purpose again. Right. I, 
I love coaching. I love impacting and transforming people's lives. And when I, when I started my own space again and had the spot athletics, it was crazy. I was working, you know, four times as hard and I was 10 times happier. And so the spot special to me because it really took me out of depression, gave me purpose again. And then, you know, it, it kind of started as I just want to have a place that has world-class training. And, you know, it wasn't a big vision or anything because I wanted to be a world champion powerlifting. That was my focus is to be the best in powerlifting. And I'll have this other thing that helps pay the bills. And like I said, once I won that world championship in 2014 and kind of proved to myself that I could get back to that level, then I said, okay, I want to be the best in the world in business. And, you know, since 2014, we've moved it from, you know, a 2000 square foot facility that we were subleasing space to now we have two 20,000 square foot private training facilities that are, I mean, two of the nicest facilities in the country. So, you know, the, the goal was, you know, after 2014, I did that, you know, my goal in 2016 was, you know, I want to have 50 locations and I really just want to grow and do that. And then, uh, and then everything changed. I, th I think you skipped over something there rather quickly that a lot of people can relate to. Well, they're not going to be world-class powerlifters. Most people listening to this probably aren't going to be, I'm never going to be, but your identity being tied up in that thing that you were just working so hard to do. I know as someone who, and a lot of people who are listening to this are probably in that startup space or in somewhere in business where it matters more to them than just a paycheck. And I struggled with whatever I was working on, not letting that become my identity. And if I was working on a startup or a business or a band or whatever, a project, not letting that, like, I am not my startup, you know? And I felt like this, whether it be imposter syndrome or, um, you know, a need to prove to myself and then another people. And I actually, I think it's the same thing, right? Anybody who's doing something at an elite level or trying to do it at an elite level, separating your yourself from that task and like the healthy level of obsession versus that unhealthy of my, if I, if, if this fails, I failed and, or like, I'm not worthy or, you know, like my people won't like me, you know, like that's the narrative that goes in people's head. And I know that's something I've dealt with and I'm never going to be fully removed from it, but shutting down a company. And we talked about that company. I started shutting that down was a huge thing for me to let me know that like it can be a success and end, right. It doesn't have to be number one in the world and just could still succeed. So I think that's something that people could take away. You can like, obviously you're doing well now, but that was a huge pivot for you. And that could have been something that you let the depression take over. And it's not only for elite athletes, you know, it could be for somebody who had a great idea. Maybe your idea was great, but you just didn't, didn't succeed with it. Don't let that get in the way of your next thing. Right. Or like somebody telling you, you don't look the right way or whatever. My first company, I took it to a mentor who I greatly respected. And he told me basically shit all over me and told me it was like a terrible idea. And I was an idiot. And I used that fuel to succeed, but right. some of the people may have taken that away. But I think that that thing that you touched on was I wanted to be the best in my, I, I was like tying my whole self up into it. That's something that anybody listening can be, you know, put all of it into it. Like you said, you're hundred hour a week. You're happy working on this hundred hours a week. Find that thing that you can put your entire time into, but don't let it take over your entire identity because that's, that can be very unhealthy. And in the end can really take you down. Well, I think, and you know, the, the part about this is it's funny and, you know, we'll kind of talk about what changed from wanting to take the spot to kind of this 50 location all over the place thing to what I'm doing now. But really it, it a lot of this comes down to the way I grew up. I, I didn't learn how to handle those emotions or to process those things. Right. And so for me, right. You know, growing up, there's basically, you know, there was, two emotions. There was silence or yelling, right? And and those, you know, it was, ang it was anger or nothing, right? And so for me, it was, it was hard to be able to take that and separate identities and do those things. And I think, 
it's interesting because we see stories all the time of people wrapping their entire identity in things and and not having this. And it's funny because, you know, now with, with what I teach and what I travel around teaching, a huge part of the concept is how to actually do that and get yourself to do that. So it's funny because... You know, I look back at all this stuff, whether it's hurting my back and, and you know, with powerlifting or, or my knee and all these things or how I grew up and all of it, when I look at what I do now and when I go present and I teach all over the world now, but when I do it, I tell people all the time, it, there is no, if, I mean, if we tell some stories that we, you know, that aren't really fit for some podcasts, but I'm there, all for it. there's, there's legitimately no reason I'm not dead or in prison right now mm-hmm. based on kind of everything with how I grew up and just a lot of the things that I did that, you know, weren't super healthy from just anger and rage issues. And, you know, the, the way I grew up, I mean, it, it literally, the way I used to be is if someone, if I was out and someone looked at me funny, they were going to be unconscious. Like it was just the way I was. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, Mike and Josh immediately turned away. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's crazy because now with my kids, just start I, apologizing. Yeah, I don't even think that I, at this point in my life, and I'm not saying I never do it, but I don't, I don't believe that yelling at your kids is it does anything valuable. Right. And so it's funny from someone who would just, if someone looked at me funny to that reaction to now, it's just a different, you know, I tell everybody when I present, you know, I say there's, there's really no reason I'm not dead or in prison. And the only reason that I've survived all these things is to get to the point where I am so I can teach what I can teach. Cause if I hadn't gone through that experience of wrapping everything up, if I hadn't gone through these other experiences, I wouldn't be able to give people some of the information that I give them now. Cause I wouldn't have perspective to do so. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett family foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, the identity thing is interesting. So Mike and I have talked about it a lot over the mm-hmm. course of 200 whatever episodes we're on and about how you know we did that at a pretty deep level in wrestling and you, and you start to think, especially when you make it to a certain level that, that you're just, you know, uh, maybe more important than what you are, things like that. And then walking away from it and trying to rebuild your identity in another area of life. And, you know, it pushes, I guess I can only speak personally, it pushes you to want to work really, really hard at something to become the best in the world, especially if you've been surrounded by people who are the best in the world at something. And, but at the same time, the ability to do that and not get lost in it and fall into depression if things don't work out. Like the people who, who can be comfortable and, and say to themselves, like, I'm worthy no matter what I achieve, but yet still go and, and give everything in the world towards something are, and that's a pretty extraordinary individual to me. I can't balance things that well but I, I definitely envy people who can. And I think, so anybody out there who's read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, there's, he talks about having like a personal, like almost like a manifesto, but like a will, right? Like talking about like your core values and grounding yourself in your core values, right? So you have to ground yourself in concepts and values that are true regardless of the situation you're in. Well, so what, what we talk about, and we'll, we'll, obviously we're going to talk about reflexive performance reset, uh, but what we teach, you know, and this, so what's in your, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so what's in your mind is in your body. What's in your body is in your mind. It's one unit, it's connected. And so the way we talk about things really comes down. And when we teach it's zone one, zone two, zone three, and those things don't mean anything to me, but when we teach it in your world, we look at it as basically rock, sand, and water. So if you're trying to gain your stability from a rock, you can stand on a rock. It's not going anywhere. You're super stable. Everything's going to be great. You know exactly where you're at. 
that's where you should develop your sense of purpose, your worth. It's from inside you. That's the only way to have a rock for stability. Zone two or sand is friends and family. And we all know people like that, right? They build their value from what their friends and family think. Well, it's like trying to get your stability from sand, right? You're kind of stable, but you're still kind of jiggling around and it might shift under your feet. And then water comes or wind and blows it away and you don't know what's going on. You lose your stability. And then the last piece is just everyone else in the world. And we look at that as water. And if you're trying to get your stability from water, you know the currents are going to change. You can't tread water forever. And so these are the where I was at that point in my life was I was getting stability from water. I wanted my powerlifting total. That was my worth. That was everything. So I lost that. And, the, you know, all of a sudden, like I'm drowning basically, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm drowning because I didn't have a rock to stand on. That You take that powerlifting away and that to me, that was where all my worth was. That is the best way I've, I've ever heard it described to me personally and been able to wrap my head at a deep level. But I think the struggle is finding what that rock is or series of rocks that foundation is in your life. And it has to be unique to every individual. You know, what, what do you, what do you truly value as an individual? And I don't know if enough people self-reflect enough well, to so, figure that out. And this is the interesting thing is that, you know, everything you're talking about is everything you see in the literature now. And, and kind of you, you taught, you guys both have touched on this, right? Is that, you know, Mike was saying in the book and you're Josh saying this, the, the things are, is that you're talking about awareness and choosing these things. However, the piece that's missing in the world today, that's just awareness. Mm-hmm. And so there's two pieces awareness. That is your conscious mind. That's your psychology. However, capacity is your physiology. And so the thing is, is everybody talks about the awareness, yet they don't talk about building the capacity. And so I know that conceptually I say that and people kind of go, yeah, what are you talking about? The best way I can describe it is this. So if someone walks into the gym and they have a natural capacity to squat 300 pounds, they've never been taught. They come in, they're going to get crushed. I spend 20 minutes teaching them, building awareness of how to squat. They're going to get out of the bar. It's going to look beautiful. The next person comes in, they have the natural capacity to squat 200. They get under 300. They're going to get crushed. It's going to look the same. However, I spend 20 minutes coaching them. They get back on the bar. What happens? They get crushed again. They have the awareness, but not the capacity. And so when we take this out of the physical realm, that's the easiest. And we go into our life. Let's say you're aware that you shouldn't get angry at something. Very aware I shouldn't get angry. However, when someone says something to you, you instantly feel yourself get angry. That means your body doesn't have the capacity yet to not get angry. And so what we work on in RPR is molding that and teaching people how to build that physiological capacity because your physiology, your subconscious is what drives all your behavior. Mm-hmm. And this is where what the biggest fallacy in the world and in modern medicine is, is that, you know, Cartesian medicine came in and said, I think therefore I am. So they separated the mind and the body. So, Hey, psychology, you get the brain medicine, you get the body. Well, you, you can't do that. It's one unit. And so this whole thing, it's funny. I've talked to behaviorists who go into companies and work with C-level team to, to try to resolve issues. And the first thing I say to them is you've gone into companies and you've, you've seen the issues you've seen. You go to the CEO and you go, here's what we got to do. This is happening. This is happening. And you just tell them and make them aware. And then they do exactly what you want. They fix it. And you're the greatest consultant ever, right? And they're like, well, yeah. And I said, and you've also gone into companies similar people, similar problems, and you tell them and make them aware of the same things. And no matter what you do, they can't solve it. They get frustrated. You get frustrated and nobody, and everybody leaves unhappy. She's like, Oh my God. Yeah. I can think of exactly one thing where that happened. Yeah. Because you only built awareness and not capacity. And the one person already had the capacity, whereas the other person didn't. And this is the missing link in life right now. 
Yeah, I think that's super, super relevant and extremely, it's one of the most valuable things, uh, like what you're explaining took me so, it's way longer to learn than I should have ever learned. And it's a lot of times it can be applied to making the right decision. You know this decision, but did you pick it, right? Um, I was just rereading some Jonathan Haidt. He's like, a, I don't know if familiar with his take on stuff. He's a psychologist and the uh, the atheist sell your soul that he, the example I use, have you heard about this? So not. he'll ask an atheist, do you believe in God? And they'll, they'll vehemently deny it or say, no, of course not. So he's like, all right, here's 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. Sell me your soul. I'll write a contract, just sign it. And the hesitation from them, even though they definitely don't believe in God, that separation of like, I know that I don't believe in it, but why won't you sign your soul? And so is that, that like mental, that's that mind and body. Like, yeah, your subconscious drives your behavior. Your physiology drives your behavior. And just that, that delay of thinking about it, even though you, I've convinced yourself it's the right decision is the, I think what makes us human and separates it from. So understanding that and being able to maybe not just in selling your soul, but in, well, if I not, get angry, let's not right? do that. Let's extreme not do example. That. Yeah. yeah. But like what you said with getting angry, I grew up with the same thing. So it's like, how do I respond? And do I realize that I'm responding that way and then reset it? And it's just a, it's like working out consistently doing the same thing over and over again to get it to the point of where you've trained those two to match. I think that's such, that's such good advice if somebody's listening to figure that out because you'll put so many roadblocks in your own way and stop yourself from doing stuff because you're insecure about it or you don't have the awareness or, and, and you'll, and you'll just decide that it's someone else's problem or someone else did it. And I, I didn't make it because of them. And then the whole time it's just you. Well, I look, I mean, look, I mean, you guys know, I mean, obviously you guys have a phenomenal podcast, right? If people listen to all your episodes, they're going to be aware of so, I mean, an insane amount of information. I mean, you can Google anything and go to a library. Awareness is not the issue. Why is one person more successful or able to do things the other person can? Yes, of course, there's an, an innate intelligence level. Some people are a little smarter than others. In my experience, it really does come down to that capacity piece. And, and that's the piece that I think is missing for so many people. And that's why what we teach and, and what we do, it, it's just been so profound and it's changed, you know, obviously what my passion is because I see it affecting so many people. That's awesome. I'm loving this. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org. Let's get into RPR and it's reflexive performance reset. So where did the idea for that come from? And, you know, can you talk a little yeah. bit about like starting the company? Yeah. So, so basically, like I said, you know, I'm, I was world champion. Boom. Now I want to be the best in business and I'm, I'm growing, I'm doing all this stuff. And uh, I did, a, I did a presentation at a clinic with a, uh, a friend of mine was there as well. And he started telling me about this stuff and these amazing results he's getting with his athletes. It sounded, it doesn't really sound real, but. I trusted him. He'd been a friend of mine. So uh, there's a guy out of South Africa who teaches a system and it's called Be Activated. It's practitioner, it's hands-on. And uh, I went for a four-day course to learn how to do it because it was a system that my friend was using to get these results. And literally I got done with the four-day course and, you know, you're basically teaching how to do this practitioner-driven system. However, you know, if say Josh and I go do it, you know, we're learning, but then Josh is going to work on me. I'm going to work on Josh. You know, it's interactive, right? So I get done with this four day course and literally I never felt better in my entire life. My, my body felt completely different. 
my mind to the point where I called my wife from the airport and I literally said, Hey babe, what's going on? That's it. That's all I said. What's wrong? What do you mean? What's wrong? I feel amazing. No, something's wrong. You're different. And so literally just from those, what, five words, she knew there was a change in me and, and over the phone in five words. And so, you know, for me, it really changed. I have a, a kid who interned for us a while ago, and he's actually an assistant strength coach for the Jets now. And I was out there doing some stuff for RPR with the Jets and we had dinner and it was funny because he goes, man, you are a different human being. And it was just so funny to get his perspective because he interned for us before I had ever gone through any of this change. And then he saw it afterwards. So basically, you know, it's a system, basically, you know, what happened was I came back and I wanted to implement this because it, it helped me so much. So I'm looking at my clients and, and, you know, I have all these strength coaches. I'm like, how do we get this to our clients? Right. Because it's hands-on, you know, it takes about an hour to go through. So well, we're here to do strength and conditioning, not, not this hands-on work. So I got together with uh, another strength coach. He's actually the head strength coach for uh, USA women's hockey, Minnesota hockey. Um, has been a good friend of mine for a long time. And so he is the one who opened it up to me. And so called Cal said, Hey man, can we make this something people can do themselves? Just let's, can we simplify this? And so we had had another one of the world's top sprint coaches another, who introduced it to Cal. Uh, we basically, the three of us got together and said, can we make this? And so we Basically, we talked about it for a while and then, um, you know, we talked to the guy in South Africa, Douglas, and, and we all got together and said, I think we can. And so we spent a lot of time just simplifying it and making it something that people can do themselves. And, you know, since then, it's been implementing, like I said, like a lot of sports teams, high level special operations and all that. And kind of our next step with it is to take it from that coach high level and then, you know, make it easily accessible to just everyday people because that's where I see it doing the most amount of good. And I still don't know if I fully have my brain wrapped around. How do you describe to somebody who, who wants to get involved or wants to start implementing it? Yeah. So RPR is just a system of daily self-care techniques that involve uh, breathing technique. And basically uh, the best way to describe it is, is rubbing certain areas of your body in a certain sequence. It shifts your nervous system. So it improves recovery. It reduces stress. Which, so it it builds your resilience to stress. So, so we all have stressful lives, obviously, with everything going on in the world today. The cool thing about RPR is, you know, a lot of these things, the podcasts I listen to, books I read, they talk about here's strategies to reduce your stress, right? So it's sleep more, exercise, you know, all, all of these things. And they are all great things. However, there comes to a certain point where we're all trying to build businesses. We're all trying to be the best. I got three kids, right? We have all these things. I can only reduce so much, right? And then at some point, I've got to build resilience to what I got going on if I want to be the best in the world, right? And I look at it like someone comes into the gym to lift. Obviously, I relate back to what I know. And, and if someone comes in and they can't lift a weight, I got, I got, and that's what's happening with stress in the world. We're not designed to live in this environment. And so people are so overstressed because they're not designed. And that's what's cool about RPR is with the breathing and then with the wake up drills, it resets your nervous system and allows you to basically have a defense mechanism to the environment that we live in. So it resets compensation patterns. So obviously breathing is a big, big thing that people focus on right now. Uh, However, one of the, the downfalls with the, the things that are being taught with breathing right now is there's kind of three levels. The, the first level is, hey, breathing's important. Okay, that's awareness. Second level is it's important and here's how you do it. What, what makes RPR so special is that we actually don't spend a ton of time on how you do it. We, we spend some, we, and we teach some science on why you do it that way. However, you, you were breathing perfectly when you were six months old. 
So why am I going to spend a ton of time teaching you how to do something you could do as a six month old? It isn't that we got to teach you something new. We actually have to build the resilience to your stress in your life, which is changing the way you naturally want to breathe. And that's what the wake up drills do is they shift your nervous system. Then all of a sudden your breathing opens up. And then when that happens, man, your world starts to change. So what's, what's it look like now? So what are some of the current initiatives you guys are doing through RPR? I mean, you said earlier we were talking, you guys work with variety of different clients right now, but you said you wanted to kind of get it more out there to other people. Yeah. So a big project I'm working on right now, we're, we're in the beta test of is, you know, everything we've done so far is like, we went to JSOC, which is a joint special operation. I mean, we've been to all, all over the world on things and, you know, we work with the UK rugby, which was really, that one was really cool. Uh, they beat the, if you guys are right, I don't Everyone kind of knows all blacks. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows, even if you're not a rugby person, right? They're like, like the, the Patriots the, of Yeah, of right. Rugby. The book Legends. Yeah. So this year, uh, the UK, their their rugby team implemented RPR and they beat the all blacks in the World Cup last year, which was like phenomenal. But anyway, so we, we work with all this and it's just coach high-level athletics. And so for me, everything we teach is is there's a lot of science. Like we were talking Vegas nerve, and I've done so much research on that. But so what I'm doing right now is we have a course that's in the beta test that it's, it's an individual course. So instead of, if you want to learn right now, right, you got to do eight hours of learning and you got to understand, you know, it's just, it's a process. So we're basically breaking it down to an individual course where someone who's just a high performing active adult will be able to learn it in 45 minutes and be able to use the strategy. Or if you're just a competitive athlete, right. Who just wants to know how to do it. Maybe your team hasn't implemented it yet. Right. And then the other big population obviously is, is our tactical police, fire, military. We work with a lot of high level units already. So our big initiative right now is, is getting that individual course out so people can learn how to do this stuff very easily. Cause right now it's just not accessible. The hardest part about this has been that the science behind it is very complicated and it took a long time to simplify it down to, Hey, it's just system of daily self-care techniques. There's some breathing, there's some wake up drills. It, so the it's, I'll say it's stuff that has existed for about 3000 years, but up until now, no one's really been able to put it together and get it out to people simply so they could just have access to it. Right. You had to, you know, you had to go to these high level things. And and that's my thing is, you know, I think everyone wants to work with pro athletes and, and all these high, you know, for me, man, just to me, like in my experiences, right. Everybody wants to help the pro athlete. Everybody wants to help the pro athlete, but that guy who's an entrepreneur, who's, who's starting a business or in the middle of building a business and has kids and a family and, you know, wants to work out a couple of days a week and wants to, those guys, those guys are the guys that need help or, or those are the women that need help because no one's clamoring, right? Everyone's at the pro athlete's door at, at, you know, Hey, can we help you? Right. You know, no one's asking those people, just everyday people out there, just, you know, doing great job building businesses. And, you know, those people impact more people than that pro athlete ever will. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you.
So what does the future look like for both RPR and the spot? And and how are you guys monetizing? Like if somebody's interested in the, in the course and things, are they going on the website? Where, where do they find all of it? Yeah. So our website, reflexiveperformance.com, you know, we have a coach's course on there right now. And like I said, we're, we're beta testing the individual. So that'll be up in another month or so. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, as far as the spot, athlete, you know, for, for RPR, the future of RPR is really to expand and get it out there. And, and really it's, to me, the people I resonate with most are people who are high performers, right? If you're, I don't know, I'm sorry, but if you're just not trying to be really good, I'm not saying the best, right? But if you're not trying to be really good at what you do, we're not going to jive, right? And to me, that's for RPR. I want to get that out to help all those people who are trying to be the best they can. However, right, there's a missing component. Maybe they're like, God, I'm so close, but you know, this isn't quite working or that isn't quite working. What I found with RPR, man, being able to control your nervous system, it, it's that missing link that just nobody's talking about. Your nervous system controls everything. Yet, so I, you know, and I look at it like this: your nervous system's the electricity of your body. You walk into your house at night, it's dark. What do you do? You flip on the light switch, right? So right now, what's happening in the world is your body, let's say it's dark, right? The electricity's not working right. Nobody's showing anybody where the light switches are. And that's what we do in RPR. We show you where the light switches are. You go to someone, they know it's dark, but they want to start changing fixtures or cutting things or, you know what I mean? Like they're looking at light bulbs and light fixtures. No one's looking at the electricity. It's what controls everything. So, and that's in RPR, it's showing people where the light switches are so they can perform at their best. And, you know, getting that out to high performers and, and being able to make it accessible so someone can just be like, oh, hey, I want to go learn this in, you know, 45 minutes. And so that's the future for RPRs is making it a lot more accessible so it can help as many people as possible. And the thing I say with RPR is if you breathe and you move, it will help you. And then as far as the spot athletics, it's it's really, you know, for me, we have the two facilities. I love our facilities. We have, uh, you know, we do, I believe we do things with fitness just about 10 years ahead of where most of the industry does. And so for us with the spot athletics, it's, you know, keep doing a phenomenal job with the two we have. And then honestly, for us, it's, it's really educating other coaches on how to, how to coach people, right. And how to provide fitness. Like for me, you know, that, I mean, we all know you, you guys kind of grew up in two because it hasn't really shifted yet, but that, that every workout has to crush you, you know, how hard is it, you know, basically working, you're getting yelled at while you're working out all that old school, no pain, no gain. That is not how fitness works and health and how to make people better. And so we, we teach, you know, we coach things in a real unique way at the spot. And, you know, it's about giving people wins and, and making people feel better and building habits and lifestyle. And, you know, that's something. So for us with the spot, it's having the two facilities we do in Columbus, but then I like having a bigger reach. So I do do a lot of presentations. So it's education for the spot, but just on the coaching side of things. Right. And what about, what about personally, like outside of business, you know, what are you, what are you thinking about? Well, for me, you know, so it, it's been an interesting transition, you know, the spot athletics, like we work from kids from eight years old to 80. I mean, it's, it's, and so we've, it's funny because now, you know, I'm really shifted where, you know, my day to day is, is building RPR and I have great staff at the spot and, you know, I'm, I'm there, you know, kind of overseeing, making sure, but I, I don't train people. I don't, you know, that's not what I do there anymore. But it is funny because I've been thinking a lot because we have kids now, like, like I talk about Marcus, right? He started with sophomore in high school. He's, you know, he just got drafted, right? We've got these kids that started with us in middle school that are now getting out of college, right? So it's this cool shift. But honestly, for me personally, um, at this point in my life, it's all about 
really personal development at this point for me. You know, I'm at a place in my life where over the last several years, I've, I've shifted so much of who I am and I've learned so many lessons that for me, it's really being able to go out and help other people on that journey. And so I think, you know, with RPR, we have some unique tools and with Be Activated, which is practitioner based, it even goes deeper into some things. Uh, there, there's some even, you know, a lot deeper tools, but having those, I, I think that Right now, in my opinion, I think that there's a missing component in the world and everyone's so, you know, look at, I mean, you guys obviously are on a great pilot. Everyone wants to get better. However, everyone's just building this awareness of how to get better. And so I really feel called and I, I feel my purpose is to help come in and help the world understand that you, you need to focus on the capacity if we really want to complete that circuit and be the best we can. And so I'm focused on doing that for myself and then helping other people on that journey that, that want to be there as well. Jail, that sounds like a great plan and uh, no, really appreciate you coming in and talking with us today. I think probably a good place to pivot towards our last question of the show here. We're running low on time. It. I so uh, the theme on our show is live uncomfortably. And if you listen, I think you said you listened to one, so you've probably heard yep. this question before, but we really want to focus in on, you know, how the phrase resonates with you and what you think of when you hear it. So again, that's live uncomfortably. So number one, I would like to let you know in both our facilities, we have a huge graphic on the wall that says, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, it doesn't make you better. So, uh, I very much is that that resonates with me a lot for me. I look at everything I've been through in my life. And there's been a lot of things that some people would call struggles or unfortunate. And, and to me, I just look at, I, I don't make mistakes, right? I, I just learn. And I don't, I don't have bad things happen to me. I just learn really good lessons, some of them harder than others. And so for me, it's that if you're not and, and I know for me, if I'm not pushing myself on every day and making myself uncomfortable, I don't feel like I'm getting better. And so for me, I think it's more than just, you know, a question at the end of the show. I think it's something that people should strive to, to live every day and think about and use to push themselves to be better and build that awareness of what, what, you know, what, think about that. What makes me uncomfortable? Awesome. I'm going to lean so hard into that. I'm going to lean so hard into that. Right. Because it's that whole obstacle is the way, right. I'm uncomfortable today and I'm going to master that shit tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. JL, man. It's been, it's been great talking to you and I've really enjoyed it. I think everybody else has, and we've had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Today. Thanks guys. I really appreciate you having me on. And you know, last thing, I just love Columbus, man. Columbus is such a great town. Dude. I, I grew up, you know, kind of small townish. Big Columbus is the perfect small town, big city. It's, it's Columbus is amazing. Right on. We're and, the best. Yeah, we really yeah. are. And uh, go box, go box. That's <laughs> right. Big Ten is back, baby. Football's back. Football's back. But uh, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that interview, check out JL Holdsworth and all of his uh, locations. You got the spot and you got RPR. And you said that was Reflex Performance? Yeah, reflexofperformance.com. And then if people are Instagram people, it's coach underscore JL. There you go. And uh, appreciate all you guys tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Oh.